Welcome to Life Church's online Sunday message. We're glad that you've chosen to worship and learn with us today. Leave a comment below to let us know that you're here. We encourage you to share the message with a friend. We're going to begin this morning with Psalm 100, verses 3 and 4. It says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He that has made us, and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. So let's begin this morning with prayer. Father, this morning we acknowledge that you are Lord, that you are God, that you are the one who has created us. And we thank you, God, that that we are your people, that you are our shepherd and we are the sheep of your pasture. We thank you that you provide for us. We thank you that you protect us. We thank you that you lead and guide us. And this morning we come into your presence with thanksgiving in our hearts. We come into your presence with praise on our lips. And we come with open ears to hear what you're going to speak to us. We thank you for what we're going to learn and how you're going to enrich and bless our lives through it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, our current message series is called Church Without Walls, and today, May 17th, is the ninth Sunday that we have not been able to meet in our church building for worship. But the good news is that next Sunday, May 24th, we'll be able to meet together again. Last Friday, the St. Louis County guidelines came out that allow our church to begin meeting again, just as other businesses are beginning to open up beginning on May 18th. We're going to open up in a safe way for everyone, following the Phase 1 guidelines from St. Louis County, the State of Missouri, and the guidance we're receiving from the Assemblies of God. We're going to be practicing safe social distancing in our seating, how we enter and exit the church. We're working to have masks and hand sanitizers available for those who wish to use them on Sunday mornings. In the beginning phase of reopening the church, we will only have the Sunday worship service at 10 a.m. We're working having overflow seating available in the lower level with live service upstairs being streamed through a television monitor downstairs. If we have more people, then we can safely seat in the sanctuary. We'll be using the overflow seating in the lower level. In order to keep everyone safe, we'll not have children's ministry or refreshments. Uh, We are planning on having some children's activities Uh, for your children during the service, as well as some special uh, children's programming for them as well. In order to keep everybody safe, uh, we're going to continue with our online small groups during the week, and uh, as we have been doing. We'll also continue to have the Sunday message streamed live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook and YouTube, even as we are meeting in the church building. The Baldwin Police Chief, uh, Doug Schaeffler, is our point person to help us follow the guidelines to have a safe and secure meeting for everyone. He will be available for questions if you have any uh, specific questions about how we're following the guidelines. But we're excited about being able to open up next Sunday. We encourage you to plan on coming and to invite a friend. Well, this morning our message is entitled, For All People. Now, one of the reasons that I believe that 
God allows things such as this pandemic to happen is to turn people's hearts to himself. People ask Jesus, why do certain disasters happen in their time? And Jesus gave them an answer. Let's look at it in Luke 13, verse 4. Jesus said, oh, or those 18 on whom the power in tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So when this disaster, a tower collapsed and killed 18 people, the people were wondering if the people who died were worse sinners than others. But Jesus said no. The people who died were not worse sinners, but rather rather than trying to figure out why it happened. Jesus said there's a lesson to learn in disasters. The lesson is that death could come to any one of us at any time. And so we need to repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ before it's our time to go or we will perish. To perish is to spend eternity in hell apart from God forever. And so in the same way, this pandemic that we're going through today is a wake-up call to the world. I believe that many more people are thinking about eternity and seeking God because of this crisis. And so as believers, God wants us to prepare to reach out to them. God is using this crisis to motivate people to seek Him. Some for the first time and others to get back to God. Today we're going to learn how God can use us to reach seekers. And so first of all, we need to be motivated to reach out to the seekers. Our story today is taken from Acts chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. It says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people, and prayed continually to God. And so at the beginning here of Acts chapter 10, we're introduced to a seeker named Cornelius, who was a Roman soldier. Now, Roman soldiers weren't especially positively viewed by Christians because it was Roman soldiers who crucified Jesus. But Cornelius was, was, not, a, was not a Jew, he was a Gentile. But he was a seeker after God. And these verses tell us three things about his seeking. He feared God along with his whole family. And that indicates he was following the Jewish faith but was not circumcised or baptized. He also gave regularly to the synagogue to help the ministry of the people there. And he prayed regularly. Now that might lead us to ask the question, was was Cornelius saved? And I believe the answer is, was absolutely not, but he was seeking after God and he knew nothing about Jesus. So let's see what happened next in verse 3. It says, About the ninth hour of the day, he, that's Cornelius, saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And so when someone is genuinely seeking after God like Cornelius was, God will reveal Jesus to him. 
In Cornelius' situation, God sent an angel to speak to him in a vision. And the angel told him that his prayers and his giving had been noticed and appreciated by God. And so the common myth that God doesn't hear the prayers of unbelievers is not true. God heard, appreciated the prayers of Cornelius even though he was not yet saved. Because of Cornelius' seeking, God gave him supernatural revelation. And so the angel continued and gave Cornelius instructions to invite Peter to come to his home. And he gave Cornelius directions as to where Peter was staying. And so not only was Cornelius praying in Acts chapter 10, but so was Peter. In his prayer time, Peter also had a vision from God. Jumping down to verse 11. And Peter saw the heavens opened, and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now Peter initially refused to obey the voice, as the animals in the sheet were, were unclean. The Old Testament law, of course, forbade the eating of unclean animals. Verse 15, a voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. And so God was indicating to Peter that the Old Testament laws about unclean animals, and as we'll see, unclean people, was no longer applicable. Now, just as the vision ended and Peter was trying to figure out what it meant, men from Cornelius knocked on the door of Peter's home where he lived in Joppa. And the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and told him to meet these men and to accompany them to wherever they wanted to go. The men told Peter the story of Cornelius' vision and they traveled together to the home of Cornelius. Now, in the Jewish law, it was also forbidden to go into even the home of a Gentile or to eat to them. And yet, Peter was beginning to realize that something had happened since the resurrection of Jesus. The distinction between Jews and Gentiles was removed at the cross. Everyone needed the gospel. It was for all people. And so what principles can we learn from this story as we reach out to seekers in our world? Well, in this story, we see that God supernaturally prepared both the seeker, Cornelius, and Peter, who is going to be the witness for Jesus. Now, God does not give everyone supernatural visions, but he does prepare the hearts of seekers that he wants us to reach out to. And as you read the story in Acts chapter 10, and I'd encourage you to do, read the whole chapter this week, we can see Peter's hesitation and worry about God's guidance. When God leads you or I to reach out to a seeker in our world, we will also probably sense some hesitation or, or some concern about it. But as you obey the Lord, He will open the doors to help you to reach out with his words. Now, who are the people today who are most prone to being seekers? Well, in our current crisis, it will be people who are in need. 
Some may have lost their jobs. Some may know people who are sick or have even died, or they may be sick themselves. And yet others are very fearful and afraid of what may happen to them, either health-wise in the future or financially, or in their job situation. Now, an easy way to open the door to a spiritual conversation is to offer to pray for them when they tell you about their need. Expect the Spirit to guide you as you pray for and reach out to the seekers around you, around all of us at this time. And then we need to lead them to Jesus. Let's continue with our story in verse 34 of Acts 10. It says, so Peter opened his mouth. Peter has now traveled to Cornelius' home, and he's speaking to Cornelius and his household. And Peter said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. And so we see that by this point in the story, Peter's worldview has been changed by the Holy Spirit. He now understood that all people could become part of God's family. There was no longer any distinction between Jew and Gentile. Every person must put their faith in Jesus Christ in order to be saved. Now, since that's the most important thing, Peter then begins to talk to Cornelius and his household about Jesus. Verse 38, Peter says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so Peter tells this Gentile seeker about Jesus' ministry while he was here on this earth. Jesus was the anointed one. He was the long-awaited Messiah who was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Peter summarizes Jesus' life as, as doing good. In other words, Jesus only did what was good. There was no evil or sin found in his life. Now Jesus also healed those who were oppressed by the devil, either oppressed through physical sickness or demonic possession. And then Peter then continues with the final chapter of Jesus' ministry in verse 39. He says, They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him on the third day and made him to appear. And so Jesus was crucified on a cross, but that was not the end of the story. God raised him from the dead on the third day. And the risen Jesus was seen by many witnesses, including Peter himself. Peter was an eyewitness. And Jesus gave Peter the mission of preaching about Jesus, about himself, both to the Jews and the Gentiles. Finally, Peter ends with an invitation to his listeners in verse 43. It says, To him, that is Jesus, All the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And so Peter then calls on Cornelius and his household to believe in Jesus, to receive the forgiveness for their sins. And so Peter is being used by the Holy Spirit to lead the seeker Cornelius and his entire family to Jesus. And so when God gives us opportunities today to talk to seekers, we can learn from Peter's witness. Peter focused on the life 
and the ministry of Jesus. And so should we. It's so easy sometimes to get sidetracked on, on difficult questions that people may ask that have no easy answers. Questions like, why is there evil and suffering in the world? If God is a good God. Or how can man have free will and God be sovereign at the same time? Now, there are answers to those questions and many other questions that people ask. But, but the most important thing to remember is not to get caught in some kind of complicated dispute. The first and foremost thing that seekers need to answer is the question, who is Jesus? And that's what we can answer simply for them, as Peter did. Talk about Jesus' ministry, his death, and his resurrection. And then about what the risen Lord requires of people to repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ who's alive today. As Peter was a witness to the risen Lord, so we too are witnesses to the risen Jesus for he has changed our lives as well. I believe that God will give us more opportunities to lead seekers to Jesus in this current season that we're in as we ask him. And finally, we need to share the Spirit's power. As Peter was witnessing about Jesus, something unusual happened that, that completely shocked Peter. In verse 44, it says, While Peter was still saying these things, telling the people about Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. And so the people that were listening believed in Jesus as Peter had explained. And then the Holy Spirit baptized each one of those new believers. Now Peter had come to Cornelius' home with some other Jews and they were all amazed that these Gentiles had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Jews had thought that spirit baptism was just for them. Now, as you cannot be baptized in the Spirit unless you are a believer in Jesus, this experience demonstrated to the Jews that these Gentiles were true believers. Now, that raises the question, how did the Jews know that these Gentiles were Spirit-baptized? Well, verse 46 gives us the answer. It says, For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And so the initial evidence of spirit baptism from the day of Pentecost onward as we read the book of Acts is that the person speaks in tongues. Tongues are speaking or praying in a language that the speaker has never learned. Tongues may be in a, in a known human language or an unknown or angelic language. And when one speaks in tongues, he's often or generally praising or, or praying to God. And so Peter continues in verse 47 and says, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. And so Cornelius and his household, they had been saved. They had been spirit baptized. And now just one thing remained for their spiritual foundations to be laid. They needed to be water baptized in the name of Jesus, and so they were. Peter stayed with them for a while to teach them, teach them further about following Jesus. 
And so God made sure that these new believers were filled with the Spirit's power. And so these three foundation stones of a believer's life were presented by Peter on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.38. They are again, first of all, belief in Jesus, secondly, water baptism, and then spirit baptism, usually in that order. Obviously, belief in Jesus must come first. In our story today, however, spirit baptism came before water baptism, showing that those two experiences can be interchanged. Not only did spirit baptism come first, it seemed to come spontaneously, rather than being prayed for, as in many of the other accounts in the book of Acts. Why did it happen that way? Well, in this case, Peter did not expect the Gentiles, to be spirit-baptized. And so he never would have prayed for them. And so God simply did the work. Normally in the book of Acts and in life today, people seek for spirit baptism through prayer before receiving. We must learn to seek and to share the Spirit's power. Now next Sunday, we begin meeting together again on Sunday mornings. And I believe that in this time of crisis, God is working in people's hearts to cause them to seek Him. And so let's pray together that God will help us to connect with those seekers, either through our physical meeting or through our online presence. Reaching out to seekers is for us as a church family and for each of us individually as well. Ask God to give you divine opportunities to minister His love and His grace to the hurting people that are all around us. Lead them to Jesus and share about the Spirit's power. And as we follow Jesus, He will help us to reach many other people for Him. This morning, I'd like to give everyone listening an opportunity to be saved. If you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, or perhaps you've wandered away and you'd like to recommit your life, I'd encourage you to pray along with me as we pray this morning. Our prayer will have three parts. The first is A, admitting that we've sinned. Everyone has sinned. B, believing that Jesus died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. Asking for his forgiveness, turning away, repenting of our sin and committing our lives to following Jesus as the risen Lord who is alive today. So let's pray together. Father, today I admit that I've sinned. I've done wrong things. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross, took my sin upon himself, paid the price that I might be forgiven. Please forgive me. I repent. I turn away from my sin. I commit my life to following Jesus as my Lord and Savior as he's risen from the dead and alive today. And for those of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we, we thank you for being with us in this time of crisis and uncertainty. We believe that you are working in our lives and in the lives of people around us. Help our faith to grow stronger, both for ourselves and for the seekers around us. We ask you to give us divine opportunities to reach out to seekers with the good news about Jesus. May we see people saved and recommitting their lives to you in this time and season. 
Show us how to be faithful witnesses for you and lead others into water and spirit baptism as well. We ask that you give us opportunities to invite people to our reopening next Sunday. And we thank you for everyone that will be able to come. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed this prayer this morning to commit your life to Jesus for the first time or to recommit your life, we'd like to pray for you and send you some helpful material. So please indicate that you prayed in the comments below or you can contact us through Messenger or by texting to the church number at 636-529-0700. This morning, our stewardship scripture for this week is Ecclesiastes 5.19. It says, Moreover, when God gives any man wealth and possessions and enables him to enjoy them, to accept his lot and be happy in his work, it is a gift of God. And so we are grateful to God for providing for us and giving us work as a gift from his hand. God's word tells us then to, to give tithes, which are 10% of our income, to support the church, and offerings which are given above our tithe to support missions. Online giving is available at lifechurchstlouis.org slash give. Checks can be mailed into the church office at 15036 Clayton Road in Chesterfield. We thank all of those who are continuing to give to God and support our church and our missionaries during this time of crisis. If you're watching this service live, it's Sunday morning at 10 a.m. We'd encourage you to click the link either on our website or in the post that you're watching if it's there to join our Sunday Connect Zoom video conference. I'll be, I will be there. It's immediately after this message, about 10.30. We're going to have a time to discuss the message and to fellowship with one another and pray for any prayer requests. We invite you to join with us next Sunday at 10 a.m., not online, but at our physical location for the first time in, in uh, over two months at 15036 Clayton Road in Chesterfield. And that we'll be continuing in our message series, Church Without Walls, for a message entitled Prevailing Church. If for some reason you're not able to attend our physical meeting, message will again be streamed online at 10 as well on both Facebook and YouTube, and we encourage you to tune in. So God bless. Have a great week.